Welcome to The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. Brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. Ready for the power play? You're listening to The Hockey Show on ESPN Chicago. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. With Barstool Chief, I am Pat Boyle. Chief, we were off last week. How you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Good to be back. Good to be back in that State Street studio. I love that, too. So it's always a nice view. Feels comfortable. Feels like home. Yeah, I I heard you with Peggy over the holidays doing some shifts, uh, talking anything but hockey, which is cool, especially, you know, all bears all the time. Get get away from the hockey a little bit. Save all the good hockey takes for this show. There you go. There you go. Finally got a win last night. Nice to see the boys. How about that? A shutout at that. There you go. Alex Daylock, limiting chances. It was great. It was good hockey. Yes. So, uh, Alex (laughs) Daylock, it was Arizona. Temper the uh, excitement, yeah. right? Well, it was a tank off. Yeah, it, it was, was a tank off. I didn't it, even check today. I mean, obviously, we were... I, I don't think they caught it. We were nine points yeah. uh, south of them. Right, but it was seven versus eight in the division, and, and the Hawks got a... You know, they lost the tank off, if you want to look at it that way, but they're still pretty clear. Uh, yeah, so Arizona has 31 points. Hawks sitting there with thirty with 22, I should say. Nine, almost double-digit wins, though. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it's into twenty twenty-three. We're almost almost a double-digit wins. That's just the reality of the of the, uh, of the season. So it's tough. So Hawks still alive and well for the uh, the best odds mm-hmm. at the number one pick. Now, do you understand the odd situation? Because sometimes it's a little like I thought it was eighteen point eight percent chance if they finish with the worst record. Technically. They'll have a twenty five point five percent chance if they have the worst record in the league. I'm very confused. Though. Okay, yeah. so can, want me a quick? I, I, I would I try love some to, clarification. Try to explain it because I I get all my information from Tankathon. Okay, okay. so so sixteen teams don't qualify for the playoffs. Only ten are eligible to get the number one pick. Okay, so eleven through sixteen. Sixteen, their their odds add up. To seven percent, okay, a chance. If they indeed the lottery falls in their favor, they will pick second, and the team with the worst record would pick first. Oh, so they tweak a little tweak. So a little year. tweaky tweak. Okay. So that seven percent of those bottom six teams <laughs> added to the team with the worst <sighs> record. Again, it's only that, a one in four chance. Too much math on a Saturday. It is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Got to have but, your right, coffee. Well, I, but that, does that make a? I mean, because I. Charlie and I were going, I'm like, Charlie, I, I, I you know, come on here. That's I, like one of those things where it's just like, if if they don't win the lottery, then I'm just going to, I'm not going to look at the details and I'm just going to blame it on, on Batman and everybody else. But yeah, 25%, 25.5, give it to me because we've always said the top two, the top two, we had kind of debated on this show, Fantilli Bedard. After that World Junior, it is pretty clear that there is one guy and one guy only and it's Connor Bedard. That kid is so, so, so special. Chief, rarely in life do does somebody exceed your expectations. Uh, yeah. I, I feel what I watched the last two and a half weeks, he far exceeded my expectations, and I had lofty expectations. Yeah, and, and 
like I it was like the first or second game they were playing Germany or Austria and you know because I've had some I've been pretty vocal about my love for Fantilli and I still love him. If you get this, I'm very happy if they get him as a, as a second pick, but there will now be that disappointment. But I was like, I'm not going to make up my mind because he had you know seven points against Austria. Like, who cares? Like, none of those guys are ever going to be in the NHL. And then it's like, it, but if you do it every single game, every single shift, it's like this guy is so dynamic. The shots, unbelievable. The and I haven't seen a ton of him because you know who can watch a WHL here in America. But the way he creates space, you don't the, have the Regina Pats uh, uh, package. We, uh, got, we, got the, we got the Flow TV, which will you'll be able to get some games streamed every once in a while if, you, if you're a nerd and you're bored at night. But yeah, so I've seen like a little, but this level, it's like heightened, and it's just like the way he it, it's he thinks the game in a, at an elite level. He shoots the puck, the skill. He really has it all. He has a little bit of moxie to him too. I, I which I think if you're going to be the guy, you got to have like, and you're going to be undersized. You got to kind of have some of that. Like Kaner has it, or you don't have to be like a tough guy, but you got to be like competitive and and let you know maybe a little mouthy too. And he's got it. So everybody worries, or well, not worries, but the one knock on him is his size. Yeah, he plays inside the dots and, yep. and is fearless to go to the net. Mm-hmm. Now again. That is the World Juniors, and but it was an NHL ice surface, so it's yep. not like it was Olympic surface. And most of those guys on that ice are going to play in the National Hockey League. I, I think it'll be a little tougher for him to get, get totally. into to the net, but I'm I'm not. I, I feel he has that edge to his game. Got a little bite, a little snarl. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't I didn't necessarily know that because. Look, we live via social media, and mm-hmm. so you end up seeing like all his highlight reel goals. Yeah. And there are a lot of those. But like, if that's your sample size, it's like seeing a sizzle reel. I was like, I'm only seeing the good stuff from right. Chief. I, I don't see, you know, Wednesday at, at four thirty where of bad. he had some yeah. plenty of yeah. bad takes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm only seeing right. the hot stuff. Right. So uh, that you're right, and it's like there's been a couple of those clips from uh, from Regina where he, you know, because I feel like people in that league try to assert themselves against him. And if you're the hot shot, number one pick, this generational type guy, people try to take liberties, knock you off your game, do whatever they can to win. And he's st- it, he is unfazed. He is completely unfazed. And um, there's been, there was a clip that went viral at the beginning of the year where someone was in his face and he just basically threw the guy into the corner and then screamed at him on his way back up the ice. So it was like, ooh. He's got, he's got, so he's got a little bit of that fire, and like the point totals are just, it's undeniable, and and, and the big game presence, right? Yes. So that semifinal game where U.S. jumps out to a two nothing lead. By the yep. way, we want your thoughts on what you've seen from Connor Bedard, the World Juniors in particular. Uh, you concerned about Patrick Kane uh, missed the game last night with an injury? First time he's missed a game since mm-hmm. 2015. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Give us a call. Uh, we'd like to talk to you. Uh, that semifinal game against Canada, U.S. jumps out to the 2 nothing lead. The audience was absolutely stunned. That yep. the, the small building they're in was electric, with obviously, with Canada fans. And it's quiet. Who's the guy that gets them on the board and breaks the... Uh, I mean, that of boy. course, it's Connor Bedard. It's that boy. It's that boy, Connor Bedard. And... That one, and then I think it was the game before that, the Finland one. It goes to overtime. Was Finland? Yeah, Finland. They, they go to overtime, and it's it's three-on-three three hockey. But Bedard was just like, I am ending this game. Yeah. And he went one-on-three, went two two defenders, shielded another one, deked the goalie, won the game, 
good night. And it was just like, I, he's like, it's time for me to be the best player in the world, best player in this tournament. And he went out and did it. And it's, he, he has, it's, it's clear. The debate is over. And he's 17. He's 17. He's going to fill out. Yeah. So that whole thing, like right. getting in, like some, he's, he's always going to be a little bit undersized. But if you look at, like, Bergeron's a little undersized. You never think about it. No. Crosby's a little undersized. You never think about it. And I think that'll be the case with Bedard, where it's just like this guy is, is too – his talent is undeniable. And he does things – like you, where people are mentioning him in the same breath now as uh, Crosby and Matthew – or Crosby, Matthews, McDavid as these last 10, 15 years, like, like super, superstar number one overall picks. He does things that even they can't do. Like he shoots the puck – Maybe better than it, even Austin Matthews. Like it, it's really, something. it's really incredible. He doesn't skate quite to McDavid's level, right? But he has all these this, this bag of tricks that is just. How, how about his playmaking ability? That was a part of it I that I that didn't. Too. I did yeah. not know that because usually when you see these social media posts, they're putting his goals up there, not you right. know his unbelievable assists. Yep. But I, that that power play that they were on, his vision. He's got Sid's vision. Yes. Matthew's shot maybe better. Yeah, uh, he's in McDavid's speed category. He can fly. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's, and again, like, this isn't hyperbole, folks. Like, if you didn't, like, again, we're not trying to make this guy bigger than he is. You look at the numbers and the and the players he's passing. Lindros, you know, every every great generational Canadian player that has played for Team Canada. He has surpassed in the last any tournaments. And a lot of those guys did it with another year. Right. So he's done it in fewer games. And as a younger player, it is unbelievable what he's been able to accomplish in that tournament. And then if you just you pull up his numbers on Elite Prospects about what he's doing this year, 64 points in 28 games. It's 20, he's, he's almost at a goal a game. So not a point. Like the point per game is like a benchmark. He's a... For for making a fantastic NHL player, right. point per game, and at that level, you want to be above a point per game. But he's at a goal per game, which is like basically unheard of to do everything. And he has all the eyes on him, all the pressure on him, all the attention on him, and he's still an underage player. It, it is it's unlike anything I've seen since McDavid. Dave Starman, who called every U.S. game at the World Juniors on NHL Network, uh, he will join us later in the show. I think he'll give us great perspective mm-hmm. on on the tournament, uh, the U.S. team. He's uh, He calls college games the rest of the year, so he's on top of, of Hawks prospects around the, the, uh, the states. Uh, so we'll get his perspective. Dave Starman at the bottom of the hour. Lucas Reichel last night. If you if you just picked up your phone and you're like, ah, oh, one shot on goal, one block shot, but you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, that's that's doesn't like yep. scream superstar or anything like that. But you watched him, I watched him. It was by far his best NHL game, and he looked comfortable out there. It, he looked confident. Yes, it, it, it was the first time that I looked at him and I was like, okay. He he definitely is going to be a, a, a player in the NHL uh, for sure. Top nine because uh, he was attacking the blue line with speed and confidence. He wasn't intimidated at all. Uh, he carried the puck. I thought he I thought his effort level, which sometimes I, f- I feel like there's been whispers that that's been into question. 
I thought his effort was strong both sides of the puck last night. Saw him win a couple board battles. He he was he was creating time, space, and then making plays. He, he wasn't hey, on the, hey, good wasn't entries, on the set yep. up Kershev. Kershev rings one off the post yep. early on. Uh, so there were things there that didn't translate to, yeah, to the reading statue. the game. Like I think that was that two on one, right? Uh, and then there was another one where he he was on the two on one. I believe Kershev had the puck and and passed it to him. I think a, a defenseman just got a stick on it, but like he's in the right position. He's making life difficult on the Arizona Coyotes uh, and their defensemen. So that was that was great to see because when you're trying to like envision the future and you're like, man, yeah, the cover's still pretty bare, right? And it's nice to be able to chalk at least one guy up into your top nine you know that you think can be a guy who can be a player on a playoff team and i think i think reichel last night showed that he has that ability if that comes to fruition who knows it's still we're still a ways away from that he's gonna have to he'll have to have another contract signed before the blackhawks uh are sniffing the playoffs so he's there are ways away but you you could get the sense that he has the ability to be that kind of guy and the question is you know patrick and we had luke uh richardson on the postgame show and you know, it was a nagging injury that Patrick could have played if he wanted to yeah. last night, but they were he was being cautious. So does he return tomorrow against Calgary or do they wait till Thursday against Colorado and give him almost like a week and a half between yeah. uh games? My question is is Reichel gonna stay up? I mean, I thought the effort last night earned him another opportunity. Um, it's against a team. It's a step up in class. Then certainly Arizona, and then you've got Seattle. I think next next weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and if if they do, I like him at wing when he's too. up here. I understand. You know, you're you're trying to work on his uh, two way game in Rockford, and so it may be better in that arena to have him play center mm-hmm. to, to focus on on both sides of the puck. But what will happen when Kane returns? Do you put Reichel on the same line with Patrick Kane where players tend to defer to 88? Yeah. And we even see vets, Max, totally. whoever, yeah. having to see you. You know, it, It's not as easy as you think to play with it's the not. future Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, and Kane does make everybody better. I don't, don't want to like make because we've had that discussion before, too. But you're right. And it is one of those things where it's like, what's the best place for Reichel to grow? And also, I would probably ask Kaner, you want to play with this kid? And see what he says. I I, I totally agree with that. And uh, and I think he's earned that right to kind of pick his line mates at this point. And if he thinks Reichel's speed and hockey sense and uh, and playmaking ability can make the game more fun for Kane, put them together. And and that that would be my, I would even load up, put put Taves in the middle of those two. and, And just say, hey, we got one line. Yeah, you you can flip on. We're at home. Treat we every got other, last change. Yeah, we'll see what we can right. do and just and roll it. And if you want to, you know, every other. So what do you have to lose, right? right? And if if you get housed those other three matchups, you're trying to get Bedard anyways. Yeah. So have one line where it's fun and competitive and good, and then everything else is we're we're about Connor Bedard. So your thoughts about Connor Bedard, Lucas Reichel, trade rumors that have been out there the last couple of weeks. We got some uh, clarity on on. On a couple of them out there. We'll get into all of that. Uh, this is the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Sponsored by the Chicago Wolves. The defending Calder Cup champs. Tonight, Chief, is Teddy Bear Toss Night. As the Wolves take on the Love Cleveland that. Monsters at Allstate at 7 o'clock. Bring a teddy bear or an old stuffed animal. And teddy bears will be tossed onto the ice during an intermission. We also have a conspiracy theory mm-hmm. regarding 
Connor Bedard and the National Hockey League and where he'll end up. Frozen envelopes. We'll have you Weighted explain ping-pong balls. that yeah. next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. Rolling on on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief, a.k.a. Ryan Brandell. I am Pat Boyle. You can watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. Listen to us on the ESPN Chicago app. Some breaking news this Saturday as far as the Blackhawks are concerned, Chief. Yeah, the boys are all together. So a little WHL trade today. Colton Dock getting traded to the Seattle Thunderbirds. So obviously he was in the, the World Junior Team with Canada. But now he'll be playing with Kevin Korchinski and Nolan Allen. Uh, so a couple of mid-season trades, bring, in, bring the family together, and hopefully they all stay together, and hopefully they continue to have success, and we just roll it into uh, what's being built here in Chicago. But it is there is some something nice about having a little familiarity uh, with your young guys, that they're building some kind of chemistry before they even get here. Yeah, especially when you're D partners, and totally. you know, yeah. you're not only D partners there, D partners on, on Team Canada yep. uh, can only help create chemistry that you hope pays off down the road. Yeah, and they, and their games kind of complement each other too. So it's nice and it's also nice that Allen has been able to transition to play his offside. So he's he's a left shot defenseman now playing on the right, right side, side with Korchinski and if you're wondering uh, if, if we've seen that before in Chicago Duncan Keith and Nick Jarlmson made that work pretty well and you could say that Korchinski would be more like the Keith, the great skater, the more of the offense and Nolan Allen his game more more so resembles Jalmerson, which you don't want to notice him. He's, right. a, he's just eating pucks and move, making simple plays and getting it out. So we kicked off this show gushing about Connor Bedard, and rightfully so. The guy was incredible on the World Junior Championship stage. He exceeded our expectations. He's setting records left and right. He's doing it as a 17-year-old. He's doing it one less year than than the other stars have been able to accumulate the points. Uh, there was... I thought uh, kind of a conspiracy theory that was floated on Spit and Chicklets this week. Yeah. So shout out to uh, to Rear Ad and uh, and Ryan Whitney. Obviously, this originally this came from them, and their their theory was given some of the controversies the Blackhawks have had in recent times that Batman doesn't exactly want to just hand them the keys to another dynasty run by by giving them Bedard, and that he would rather give them to Arizona. Arizona has never had the number one overall pick. They are in desperate need of ownership, stadium funding, all that stuff. And the best way to get momentum for that is be like, well, here is this gift-wrapped guy to save your franchise. And you can say, well, that's has that ever been done before? kind of happened with Pittsburgh. You know, like they were, they were rumored to be moving to Kansas City, to Hamilton, Ontario. They were bankrupt. They were this, they were that. Lemieux comes in uh, with an ownership group. And then they come out of the lockout and it's like, hey, here's, here's Sid. And that was a year where they gave everybody, supposedly, if I remember this correctly, everybody, because they didn't have a season before, they gave everybody equal odds to get the number one overall ah. pick. And somehow, some way, he ended up in the place that needed him the most. And there was the guy, Jim Basili, who was, uh, remember the Blackberries? Did you ever yeah. have a Blackberry? Yeah. That was my first smartphone. But he was a, he's a Canadian guy, wanted a hockey team, was trying to find a way to get either the Predators or, uh, or the Penguins and move them out of those places. And Bettman was just throwing up stop signs and, and you know, quicksand bunkers everywhere. So 
All right, so here's here's Wit and his conspiracy theory about where Bedard's going to land. I, I think it's going to be hard to deny the fact that we're looking at a Crosby, Ovechkin, McDavid-like generational talent. And and what he's doing, like these numbers, all of a sudden they keep you see these names he's passing by. It's like, how are we supposed to deny the fact this kid, I think he shoots the puck like Matthews. I think he sees the ice in the game like a similar way to Crosby. He's so dynamic. People kind of came at me, oh, his size, I don't know. But either way, even if it's like Patrick Kane, like I just mean that it's going to be one of those lotteries the same way when Pittsburgh won the lottery with Crosby. It's like this is a game changer. This is changing a, 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 an entire franchise overnight. And R.A. made the great point. R.A. said to me, after what happened with the Chicago Blackhawks and that whole thing, they ain't getting the first overall pick. And I think... When the vote goes down and Tempe decides to get an arena, I think with Arizona being Gary's baby, he will be a Coyote next season. I know he will. I talked to Gary yesterday. They have never won the lottery. They've never had the first overall pick. They're getting a rink built. Connor Bedard to Arizona, and what an amazing thing that will be for that city and that franchise. I, so you're on board with that now? He's going to Arizona. R.A. is 100% right. Oh, wow. Can we get that in a frame? <laughs> All yeah. right, so there it is. Lot to unpack yeah. there. Uh, let's just—I mean, obviously, we know the love for Arizona with Biz yeah. being a, a resident there, playing Mr. There. Coyote. He is—he is, mm-hmm. you know, the king of. I think the, they retired his number. Did they? No, <laughs> he's already got Bedard's fake ID ready yeah. to go, yeah. and he'll show him, he'll show him and the a condo out there. in Scottsdale yeah. for him. Yep. Uh, that being said, I, I mean, are you Mister Conspiracy? Let, let me just. Like, are you conspiracy guy to begin with? I I dabble. I dabble. You dabble. Yeah, I think okay. sometimes if it's you know, what's it, it looks like a duck and smells like a duck or walks like a duck, then right. you know, there's smoke, there's fire situation. So like the the, the Knicks Ewing thing, the cold uh, that bubble, is frozen. You, yeah. you believe that? Okay, yeah. so when the Bulls landed D Rose with a one point seven percent that franchise, hometown kid. So you think that that was conspiracy too? There, I, there's I never just is, some luck involved here. There might be, but I think this is the, the these are businesses. Yes, and, they are, and, and that's where I want to go with this. Yeah, and I think if Bettman, I do believe, and I've heard some stories that he can be very vindictive. He's got a long memory, and he's very vindictive. That if he's upset about how things were handled here, that and he has an opportunity to give Chicago the number two pick, which would be a fantastic player, as we said in Adam Fantilli, a guy who will be a number one center, but not one of these generational guys. So then Chicago builds their thing, and they're, they're back, right? They're, you can put them in the Winter Classic, the national TV. They're selling all the tickets. You get all the money, but you're not giving them one of these top generational once-every-ten-year type of guys. That goes to the, your baby, the team that you've bought out of bankruptcy a couple of times. They need a new stadium. You put Bedard in the Valley of the Sun, and he's going to melt, and no one's going to know about it. Look, commissioners keep their jobs Mm -hmm. when they make money for the owners, like Roger Goodell. Yep. It's not like the NFL has this squeaky clean reputation. Not at all. It's not like some major tragedies and, how should we say, uh, you know, Awful incidents have happened on his watch, mm-hmm. and they've had their scandals and their missteps. And Roger Goodell keeps his job, and they pay him forty million dollars a year, and he keeps getting a raise. Yeah, and he keeps adding 
TV contracts like Prime on mm-hmm. Thursday nights. Now the ratings have gone down, but it created a new revenue stream for the National Football League. They want to get game. You know, we saw what six games overseas. Mm-hmm. They want to put a team in London. They want to put a a division. Yep, in Europe. In Europe. Yeah. Uh, it, so he keeps his job because he is making money for the owners of the top 100 uh, shows of the year. Something like 80 of them were Football NFL games. games. Yeah. Okay, well, me- so Bettman keeps his job by making money mm-hmm. for the National Hockey League and two new broadcast entities, TNT yep. and ESPN, over here in the States. He's got a couple north of the border. Bedard in the third largest city with an original six team. I mean, versus playing in a... College arena with less than five thousand people, where it's a transplant state for now. Yeah, but I mean, that's not good for business. That's not good for the bottom line. But I think I think you could argue that it is because you're you're only going to be as strong as your weakest franchise. That is population wise a big market, and I do think stars bring people out. People want to see greatness. So if they're able to get a new stadium and a new place, and then you have this black hole of an organization who's hemorrhaging money forever, you put them in a position where they, for the first time ever, maybe they can break even. They, I mean, they went, they went belly up. They had to get out of their other lease because they couldn't you're pay the giving, mortgage. You're giving a an NHL franchise that has failed several times, mm-hmm. you're giving them the generational player and saying that's going to fix all your past ownership problems, your arena issues, your lack of attendance. I mean, why? I I, I just I yeah, man, it doesn't make sense to me. I I think it makes on to me on the surface it it makes the the Blackhawks are going to make money with Fantilli as long as they're doing well, and they're going to make a ton of money for the league. Like I said, national TV, the Winter Classics, they're going to be able to have all that stuff. If they're if go- Austin Matthews is in Arizona, is Austin Matthews what he is in Toronto? Uh, what do you mean by that? If, if he had been playing his in, whole career there, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, th- I think I, I, I think I Arizona's think, in a much better spot if they if they had Austin. Well, of Matthews. course they're yeah. in a better spot. They're probably I, my, still my, in Glendale. My question is: Is he a household name I, I, in North America? I, I think so. I don't think so. I, I, I mean, he's he's among I mean, hockey fans. He yeah. is. Uh, non-hockey fans know who Austin Matthews is, and it's mm-hmm. because he's playing in the mecca of yeah, the but, National I mean, like, Hockey League. Toronto, like he, Toronto, Toronto has, still hasn't won a playoff series in like twenty-five years well, or something. That's a whole other story, right? But, yeah. but they, but that was a they hadn't even made the playoffs for 10, 12 years before they got uh, Matthews. So, like Toronto needed a shot in the arm. They got it with Matthews and Marner. And it just hasn't worked out the way that everybody had hoped. But that was like, you can't have Toronto be like just a doormat franchise forever. So I think it made sense for, for that. But the Hawks are, I think the Hawks are trending in the right direction. I think that everybody involved would be like, hey, it's better to have 32 teams that are making money. And then the Blackhawks are going to be one of your big money makers in a big market as long as they're good. And they're going to be good. And they could, if they performed at a level like, I always I like to throw shade at the Minnesota Wild. If they're as good as the Minnesota Wild, where they're consistently in the playoffs, you get hope that they're going to be, you know, maybe they're in the conference finals if things go their way. If the Blackhawks are that good, 
that's that's a home run for the league. But it the Coyotes being good, well, that's a that's a big market that has. And I think I feel bad for the people of Arizona because why would I? If you're a fan down there, why would you invest emotionally, financially into the Coyotes when they're constantly terrible? There's always rumors that they're leaving town. Bettman has made it clear he's not letting them leave town. He's not letting them do it. Houston was like, hey, we'll take them. And they're like, they're not for sale. They're staying in Arizona. We'll try every single well, city in Arizona before we let them leave. If Bedard ends up in Arizona, it's a damn shame. But we, we can discuss that. I agree. I want him here, but I could see a scenario where Bettman's like, uh, we're putting him there. And that's that. this is like the last bullet in the gun situation where we're going to get, if it doesn't work with Bedard, then we move him away. Dave Starman, who called every U.S. game at the World Juniors on NHL Network, he will join the show next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief on the AM at 1000 on the FM at 100.3 HD2 on your phone through the ESPN Chicago app. Rolling on on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. We are brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Defending Calder Cup champs tonight, Teddy Bear Toss Night, as the Wolves take on the Cleveland Monsters. It's our pleasure now to uh, welcome in Dave Starman. He called every U.S. game at the World Juniors on NHL Network and uh, college hockey enthusiast. And he joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. How you doing today, Dave? I am great, guys. How you doing? We're doing all right. We are we're in a lather about what we saw at the World Juniors over the last two and a half weeks, and uh, it, rarely do uh, do people exceed your expectations. And certainly, lofty expectations have been placed on Connor Bedard. But after you watched him every shift for two and a half weeks on the biggest stage for a seventeen-year-old, uh, what was your takeaway? I mean, holy heck, is he good? Yeah, it's it's. It's hard to put it into words because he does a lot of things right. And the the thing that impresses you the most about him is probably his hands and his vision in tight space and under pressure. Like, he's just, he's, he wants to puck in big spots, which is always the sign of an elite guy. He can make really high end plays without a whole lot of room, without a whole lot of space. He's great on his edges. His vision's tremendous. He's a better passer, I think, than people give him credit for. I mean, the, the, when you watched him in the World Juniors, he had a he had a shot mentality, and anytime he had an opportunity to get the puck to the net, he did, which I certainly can appreciate as as someone who wants to score goals. But I, I think his playmaking ability is there, and you know, on the other side of it, like he wasn't lost in his own defensive zone. Like I think yeah. off the puck, he's he's pretty impressive. It's he's just so much fun to watch because he does so many big things well, but on top of that, he does so many little things well. Does he have any weaknesses? Nice Everybody's got a weakness somewhere, okay. right? So I, I just think the trick is is that if you're going to go first overall in the draft, nobody's figured it out yet. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he is sensational. I, I was watching that, and I, I'm obviously a big Blackhawks fan. I had a flush. I had a flush thinking about him uh, wearing 98, going from 88 to 98 here in Chicago. Uh, what about, the? I, I would say it felt like Fantilli was a little underwhelming. What was your takeaways from watching him in this tournament? That's not a bad way to describe it. I mean, we all know he's a really, really good player. And more than likely, he's going to go top three in the draft. 
And he does a, he does a ton of things well. He uses his size well. He's got a lights out shot. He's he's a great power play guy. He's he can be physical when he wants to. He's just a big, strong kid with a lot of poise. And sometimes when you get into those scenarios with Team Canada, despite what kind of role you're playing elsewhere, you can fall down the roster just a little bit because of a how much skill they have, and, and b let's be honest about it. You know, there've been a lot of years where the college kids on that team have have fallen down on the depth chart just a yeah. little bit and, and maybe had a little bit of a shorter leash. So, uh, but I mean, I thought like. I thought his last couple of games of the tournament were good. And overall, I think he's a big, strong, power forward type player who, not a doubt in my mind, will score at the NHL level. Dave Starman joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. He's done it all. He's coached 11 years as an NHL scout and does tremendous work on television. How about Leo Carlson, the uh, presumed number three pick in the upcoming draft? What did you think of his performance at the tournament? You know, it's interesting. Other than watching him get his nose broken, I, I didn't see him a ton other than the, the game that he played against the U.S., and that that was one of the more insane games that I've ever watched. Like, you, you didn't know what to watch next in that kind of game. Like, as soon as you saw you start tracking the Swedes, uh, the Americans made a push. When you started to track the Americans, the Swedes made a push. That was, in the annals of World Junior History, one of the strangest games that's been played in the 15 years I've done them, but I, I think that I think Carlson is Carlson's really skilled. He's got a little dog on bone to him, which I kind of like. He, he he's got grit. He's been he was pretty good on the walls. I thought he won a good share of of loose pucks in 50-50 battles. Like he plays like a kid who doesn't think he's entitled to have the puck. He plays like a kid who, if if the puck's around him, he's going to want to make sure that he gets to it. And I respect those kinds of players because I. I think sometimes when you're a really young, skilled player, you either have the puck all the time or everybody's looking to get it to you. He looks like he's got a little bit of the mojo of he's not afraid to get his nose into a into a scrum. No pun intended, considering he broke it. <laughs> Clearly. And come out of the puck. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I, first of all, you stopped me in my tracks with uh, the dog on bone expression. I love that. I'm going to work that into my thing. I, I also <laughs> want to hear you break down you know, Hawks had a ton of defensemen playing for Team Canada, too. Dalmasha was getting a ton of ice. I think he had one game where he had 27 minutes. Do you see him as being like a, a, a surefire NHL guy? Can, I, I have had some concerns about his skating, but maybe I'm just thinking too hard. I don't think you're the only one. I, I, I do know that that is a bit of a concern. And when you when you take a look at Dalmasha, I mean, first of all, he plays a really strong, solid physical game. And uh, I was impressed with the way that he angled. I think he realizes what he is and, to an extent, what his limits are in terms of his feet at this point in his career and is made up for it by not putting himself in a position where he's going to have to track somewhere where he's going to be really uncomfortable doing it or, or slower to get back. And, and you know, That's a sign of maturity. And that's a sign of pretty good hockey IQ. I mean, is he a bona fide, surefire, top six NHL defenseman? I think in the limited viewing that I had on him, I would, I would venture to say that He's probably a depth guy right now, mm-hmm. but defensemen are generally the slowest to develop. It's a late matriculation position, and I've watched a lot of defensemen in his vein. Like Scott Mayfield comes to mind when I think of Del Mastro. Scott Mayfield of the Islanders who yep. played at the University of Denver. Like I see Del Mastro and I see Scott Mayfield in the same vein, and Mayfield's figured it out and developed himself into a solid third-pairing defenseman. On a, on a good team. So I, I don't see any reason why Del Mastro can't be that kind of player. Let's stay on the blue line. Luke Hughes. I know he's got some defensive 
deficiencies, uh, but could he end up being the best Hughes brother in the NHL? Oh, that's a great question. I I think it depends on what you want to define as best. Because will will he will he do things that Jack did? Probably not. I mean, Jack being a forward versus a defenseman. But on the other hand, Luke does play at times like a forward. Now, Luke and Quinn are similar in a lot of ways, but, you know, Luke is you know, about eight feet taller. So, I mean, like, he's got that advantage of length. He's got that advantage of he's going to be stronger. More than likely, he's going to be faster. So here's the question with Luke, and it was the same question with Quinn. Can they play the game that they want to play as offensively creative and as freelancing as it is? Can they take the wonderful talent and skill that they have as skaters, puck handlers, and visionaries and then mold it into the style of the NHL team that they're playing for to make sure that it's effective and to make sure that the other players on the ice understand what their rhyme or reason is. Quinn's figured it out. I believe Luke's going to figure it out, but until we see that at the NHL level, it would be hard to say that Luke will be the best. Does he have the physical tools in today's modern NHL to be the best? Yeah, he does. Interesting, yeah. When you look at that semifinal game between the U.S. and Canada, the two goalie interference calls that took two goals off the board at critical times, as a former goalie, I mean, I heard you on the broadcast, do you think that changed the outcome of the game or just added a subplot to it? I'm going to tell you both, and here's here's why. The, the obvious component is, did it change the outcome of the game? Of course it did, just because of the fact that goals were taken off and it would have altered the scoring component, right? So we've got that part, which we all know. But the emotional pitch of these games, like here's the, here's the thing. When you're around the NCAA, but especially around the World Juniors where these kids are 18 and 19 years old, even at the NCAA level, you get some older teams, 23, 24, 25 years old, some of those players can adapt to the emotional pitches and changes of the game. These kids are kids, and they're playing this rash of games under these brightest of lights in this small fishbowl of, a, of an atmosphere, and these little momentum changes and things like that can affect you. And then it happens again, and you really got to fight through it. Plus, you're playing a team that's off the charts good and as good as you are with a hostile crowd. I mean, there's a lot going on there. So do I think it affected the game in more ways than just the scoreboard? No question. Do I think then you get into whether or not the calls were legitimate or not? And I mean that's a whole different story. But but I really feel like the first one took a little wind out of their sails. I thought the second one was the like da- almost like a dagger. black cloud over that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there's no way you're going to overcome that. You know, just the the, yep. the deflation as the, as the camera panned that bench. It was like I want to say things are stacked against them, but things are pretty stacked against them. Oh, like I said, absolutely. I mean, all you you look up in the rafters, you just see the Grim Reaper floating. I mean, like it's just <laughs> one of those things where, like, when you've been through it before, you just you just you just know some nights are not yours. And I just get that feeling, like after that second call, that was sort of creeping in. I got a hockey East question for you before we let you go, uh, Drew Comesso. We we always have kind of a blind spot on how to evaluate young goalies. What is your impression of him he was a relatively high pick second round pick do you think that uh his development is on track to make him a potential number one because his numbers don't necessarily uh reflect that at the college level i would tell you this don't don't overemphasize statistics at the ncaa level especially when you play in good programs because sometimes those numbers can inflate one way or the other way to the positive or to the negative and it, that doesn't necessarily tell 
a great picture. I would judge Comesso on what he is as a goalie and what he is as an athlete, and that's pretty good. I, I, I like the way he uses his legs. I think he uses the size that he has well. He plays aggressive. He's got a pretty good stick. I, I like his rebound control. I think he's pretty composed. Like, there's a lot to like about this kid, and I think there's a lot of growth in this kid to the point where he could trend towards being a consistent NHL goalie. So I, I don't necessarily get hung up in numbers. It's my, my scouting background has always said to me, don't, don't look at the numbers. Look at the body and the work that it does versus the numbers that it puts up because you can wind up in a situation where you're either on a really good team or a really bad team, and that could skew your numbers in ways that scare people off. So I, I tend to trust my eyeballs before I trust the numbers, and then I just try to use the numbers to supplement some of what I'm seeing. All right, I'll trust your eyeballs too, and we'll stay at BU. What, do you think Ryan Green deserves to be on Team Canada? I honestly couldn't tell you. I've, I haven't seen him play. Okay, all right, fair enough. All right, Dave, uh, thank you for joining us. You did a tremendous job with Steven Nelson. It's amazing that you guys called that broadcast uh, several hundred miles from the site. Uh, we we got to pass the hat and get you guys in the arena uh, for the next <laughs> World Juniors. I, well, I, appreciate the, I appreciate the kind words. It's, it's always a challenge when you do it that way, but Nelly's pro, and you know once you do it a couple times, you... You kind of get used to it. So, But thanks for having me on, guys. Make sure you keep Colby in check for me. Huh? Uh, we'll try. We'll try. Dave Starman joining us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. We're back to wrap things up right after this. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Rolling on on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Sponsored by the Chicago Wolves. Teddy Bear Toss Night as the Wolves take on the Cleveland Monsters at Allstate at 7 o'clock. Our thanks to Dave Starman, our producer Kendra Smith. Thank you for listening as always. Uh, We got a couple of uh, trade rumors we want to get to. But uh, first, Rick chimes in from California. Rick, good afternoon. Welcome to the Hockey Show. Man, PB, long time no talk. First time this season. How you been? Good. How are you? Good. This talking to you guys. Uh, it's been a tough season, obviously. Um, uh, just wanted to get uh, take. I had a couple questions for you. I was really happy to hear about uh, the information about the goalie Drew. I'm going to butcher his last name. So I won't even say it. Yep. Thank you. I was curious, just your perspective on that. I've been impressed with Alex Daylock for the most part, just the way that he's played. It's been tough to follow the defenseman. I really would love to see the Hawks like commit to going young, and uh, I, I feel like watching Jones play, uh, you know, Caleb, and just the way that he is so inconsistent. Uh, he's so hot and cold. Uh, it's so hard to watch him, and so at some point, I feel like the Hawks just need to commit to going young and. Uh, you know, and then the last thing I was just curious as is, do you give Patrick Kane more time, and are you protecting him in the, and uh, you know, kind of living in the mindset of, hey, you know what, he's not going to be around long term. Let's get get him healthy so that way he's good enough for a p- possible trade. So great. I wanted your perspective on that. I've missed calling in. Um, PB, you do a great job. I'm forgetting the gentleman's job uh, that. Um, I'm Ryan. I follow him on Twitter. Yep. <laughs> yep. Thank you. Yep. Great job as well. Just Thank you. Love the show. And sorry it's been so long since I've called in. Thanks, Rick, for calling. Lots of good questions there. Let's start with Patrick Kane. So dealing with the lower body, 
uh, injury, sat out last night's game, could have gone if he wanted to push it. You've got one game tomorrow against Calgary. You're off until Thursday. He brings up a great point as far as protecting him as as a trade asset. He's so your, yeah. I think you, you definitely want to be in on the dialogue. You're not going to leave it all up to him because Patrick's probably going to always want to play. Yep. But uh, this is something the medical staff, Patrick, and the team can collaborate on. And if it's in his best interest to sit a little bit longer, uh, go for it. But as Luke said the other day to us last night, you know, if he was a betting man, he, he thinks Kane's going to play tomorrow night. Okay. Yeah, I, I would have extreme caution. And it's like he's your most valuable trade asset. He's also just your most valuable asset. You know, you, you want to – are these games at home? Yes. Okay. Well, then, then play them. <laughs> Give the fans a little something to Give watch. Give a little something yeah, to be excited about. Something to come about. out and see. If it's on the road, maybe you sit him at home if he's thinks he, thinks he's healthy enough. I got a little analogy about the Caleb Jones thing. Okay. You remember when the Cubs signed Edwin Jackson? Yes. And it was like, look, we're terrible. You're going to go out there every fifth day and just get rocked. Here's $40 million or whatever they gave him because baseball money is absurd. It's insane. But it was just like your job is just go out there and be a pro. And, and Caleb Jones, go out there, take your regular shift. And we'll let the other guys develop in Rockford. You're not really part of the future, but we're not going to let these guys come up here and get shellacked and, and shell shocked. So you're you're just gonna you're gonna take your beating, and and the team's not trying to win. So it is what it is. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, I think you're going to see more youth on the back end as as time goes on, and it could be because of of some of the trade rumors that are already out there. Jake McCabe was mentioned. Uh, with Edmonton having interest in McCabe. Uh, I heard it was an interesting package, one that included a a bad contract and a first-round pick. But McCabe has a modified no-trade clause, and at the top of his list is the Oilers. Yeah, thank you, Stan. Ottawa called about Seth Jones. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a phone call I would entertain. It sounds like the Hawks quickly said, no, thank you. I don't know if they can. I don't know if Meaning they, Ottawa no I mean in the Blackhawks because if you look at there's a salary cap and there's also a salary floor, floor. and I think it, they'll get it, to the floor they'll find a way you think so yeah you're gonna yeah. have to cobble together a lot of overpaid one year deals next year then because when you remove uh, the twenty one and a half or twenty one million between Taze and Kane for next year yep and who knows if they're coming back you're not going to be able to sign any high price veterans anyway basically take thirty million off the books and and the cap could go up and it's not well, like, it's only going up a mil. Is that official? That's official. Okay. But I, 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 that's something to consider because if you're removing Domi, you're removing Anthony Cio, and if you remove a nine and a half million dollar chunk, it's like all, like hey, you got to cobble together something, right? Uh, the McCabe thing's interesting because I wonder if that's something they'll circle back on. Where if he's like holding out for a better, like I don't really want to go. Mean, to do you have to sell? Hey, look, you have an opportunity to go with Connor McDavid and win a Stanley Cup for the first time since. The Gretzky years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but he's, maybe he doesn't he's, believe well, that they're that good. His wife is from Chicago. He's a Wisconsin yeah. guy. I mean, uh, there's reasons why these guys want no trade clauses. Totally, and, and, and it, is, that way. it is a weird year. And I do think the the Oilers could certainly win the West, but they're currently the eight seed with a, a banged up Colorado team behind three points behind them. And you would assume that Colorado, when they get healthy, they're going to click in, kind of like Tampa has done a lot. Like they're on autopilot, kind of like the Hawks used to do, autopilot until yeah. it matters. And I think Colorado is going to be a playoff team. So if you're, you would hope that maybe Edmonton catches Seattle and Seattle comes back down to earth. But if you're Jake McCabe, it's like, I'm going to commit to playing for Edmonton for the next, what is he, three years left on his deal? Yeah. 
or at least two, two, two more years after this year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to commit to playing for them, and they're not even guaranteed to like win a cup. Would be great if they're in first place. Maybe he'd think about it. So, but that's I, why they need him. <laughs> yeah, but and, but maybe he's holding out for a better opportunity. That's true. And but you know, circle back closer to the deadline. Maybe he, he'll soften on that. White Sox Weekly is up next with the the new daddy, the new father, Connor McKnight. That's going to do it for the hockey show on ESPN 1000 for Barstool Chief. I'm Pat Boyle. We'll catch you next Saturday at 1 o'clock.